again. Good morning and welcome. Thank you for being with us, regardless of how you've gathered, whether you've gathered indoors or outdoors or in your vehicle or online. We're so grateful that you're with us, really grateful for the myriad of ways that we can gather. Uh, so thankful for so many folks who have put in so much work and continue to put in work week in and week out to make sure that all of these different avenues and opportunities are available to you. And we do pray and trust that uh, in all of these ways that God's giving us opportunities to reach more and more people. I do want to let you know that next Sunday we will be observing the Lord's Supper. Um, we will do as we have done uh, for the past uh, couple of times when we've done it. If, um, if you are a homebound person, if, you're, if you are, are generally worshiping in your vehicle or, or perhaps uh, gathering there at, at home and you would like to come by the office this week, we will have the implements for the Lord's Supper available for you. You can pick those up here. We, as pastoral staff, will be visiting our shut-ins this week and trying to get those out to you so that you can either do that with us in your home or you can participate with your church family next Sunday morning as we do that uh, and observe the Lord's Supper. So I hope that you will plan, if you can, to be with us. We will do that distance as we have been, but such a special time for us as a church body to be able to do those things. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Exodus in just a moment. Um, and as you're turning there, just a reminder that tonight we do have a, uh, an outdoor fellowship here at the church building. So um, for those of you that are seated outside, I can point, you know where I'm pointing, it's going to be back there, uh, back behind the church building. We'll have a bonfire, uh, s'mores, all the other stuff. I do want to encourage you or invite you, if you would like, bring a tailgate dinner and feed your family. And uh, we will get started about 530 this evening and wrap everything up um, at whatever time I get tired of being here and make sure that the fire goes out unless somebody else volunteers to stay and man the fire. So we do hope that you'll come. It should be a good night for that. It's going to be a little chilly, but we'll get a warm fire going and everything will be enjoyable. So I hope that you'll come and join us tonight for that fellowship time. You can see other things uh, that have come out and, and been sent to you in your announcements. If you're a guest with us, I do. I don't know if Adam mentioned this. I wasn't paying good enough attention, but there is a a QR code, which looks a little fancy for us there in your bulletin. If you don't know what that is, let me tell you, your phone is incredibly fancy. If you have a smartphone, if you point the camera at that, it will actually open up all the announcements for you. So if you're a guest with us and maybe you don't get the, uh, the email that gets sent out or perhaps you're just here with us this morning and you don't look at your email enough, if you'll just point your camera phone at that, it'll open up the link to all the announcements and you can have all that information and know all the things that are going on here with your church family here at Malvern Hill. All right, again, thank you so much. Um, you know, with us being indoors and outdoors and all the other things. Scott, you got that feedback? Okay. Um, uh, indoors, outdoors, and all the other things. Uh, we don't cross paths as much as staff on Sunday mornings as we used to. And so I actually haven't even seen Kevin this morning except to wave to him from my office. But uh, so grateful for his prayer this morning that God uh, who, who seeks us and saves us. And this morning as we consider what it looks like to live as Christ's followers, what it looks like to honor him and to honor his word as we continue our progress through, uh, right now through the Old Testament, working our way through the Bible this year, uh, just a great reminder that he has always been a missional God, that God didn't suddenly become a missionary when Jesus came. He's always been a God seeking and saving the lost. And we're going to look at one of the most important stories in God's word of his, of his seeking and saving this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read 17 verses this morning. So if you stand with me in honor of God's Word, 
And listen now, for this is the word of God. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the water, excuse me, sorry, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on their children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkeys or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would see these commandments, these laws, these rules that you have given Lord God, and we would see them, God, not as an onerous and oppressive scheme, but instead, Lord God, as a guide for living the Christian life, for honoring you and loving our neighbor. Father, forgive us for our sin. Help us to be more like you. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. How should God's people live? Uh, as, as you all are aware, we've been working through the Bible. We began in Jan well, this is January. We began on January the 1st, working our way through God's Word, reading it. So we're reading it together as a church body. I'm preaching through it on Sunday mornings. I'm even teaching a uh, few aspects of it on Wednesday nights. Your life group curriculum, I know we're not meeting as life groups right now, but your life group curriculum is, is built upon the, the, the moving of God's Word together. Even Miss Rhonda's working through God's Word with our children on Wednesday nights, systematically slow. We're doing all those things together. Um, and, and so we've already made it all the way through Genesis. We've jumped off into Exodus uh, this week. And um, so Genesis is sort of this, this fast-paced story. You've got all the things that are happening over and over, and you've got those big things. Exodus begins strong, right? And then we begin getting into some of those details, and sometimes those details can sort of get us bogged down as we're trying to make it through God's Word. Details, 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 details. In the church where I served prior to coming to Malvern Hill almost 14 years ago, those words uh, were just constantly repeated to me by my former pastor. In fact, his words were so ubiquitous that many others in our church could smile and say the same thing. I am not a detail-oriented person. There, I said it, I admitted it, I've confessed it. Over time, I guess I've gotten a little bit better at it, but the better thing that I do than, than handling details is finding other people to handle the details, just to be totally honest. We like to say at the office a lot of times that things come to, administrative tasks come to my office to die. That's where they find their death. I need people around me that can handle the details because I just, I just get lost in them. I love to see the forest, but I sometimes miss 
the trees. If you're a big picture person like I am, then the reading for the next couple of weeks can get, be a little bit hard. For some of y'all that are detail-oriented people, I think about some of the folks in our church, I think about like a Robert Adams, for instance, or maybe um, uh, like Ginger, um, who, who worked with me for so long, that loved the details. I would imagine that people like that really like Exodus, right? You get into all the details and the, the furnishings and all that, you go, oh, this is interesting. Me? I'm like, come on, what is going on right here? We're going to move into Leviticus, and, and even in, in Exodus right now, we're seeing all these laws. And for those of you that have a more legalistic mindset, you're like, sweet, I've got instructions. This is everything that I needed. I get in the middle of that, and y'all, I'm waiting not waiting, I'm waiting in sticky mud and I'm constantly pulling my boots out going, Lord, I know this is important. If you're like me and these are tedious readings, before you get overwhelmed or discouraged or even frustrated with all these details, I want you to see God's grace in these details. If you're a detail-oriented person, this just feels good to you. Before you just get oh, just really reveling in all the details, I want to remind you that God is in the details and God's grace is in the details. You say, Craig, how in the world is God's grace in these details? God loves us enough to tell us exactly what he wants from us. We're not left wondering what we need to do to please him or to satisfy him. He tells us exactly what is expected. There isn't going to be some sort of surprise rule that pops up. God tells us what he expects. He tells us how we should live. That means we can know if we are living lives that please him. We don't have to wait to figure it out one day in the future. We can know. This is a beautiful thing about the Christian religion. Other, other adherents of other world's religions, they never actually know whether or not they're doing the things they need to do. Folks, when we come to the true and living God who has revealed himself to us in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ, we don't have to wonder if we might have done what he expects. He has told us what his expectations are. You know, there are really two lists in the Bible that help us to know how we should live. Two lists that give us a guide for Christian living. In the New Testament, we have the Sermon on the Mount and maybe especially the Beatitudes. In the Old Testament, we are given the Ten Commandments. The two are not in opposition to one another, but in many ways they teach us the same concepts in different ways. The Ten Commandments teach us how to live with negative rules, right? The Ten Commandments teach the way that I like to teach. The Ten Commandments say, don't run. Don't run in the house. Thou shalt not commit murder. The Sermon on the Mount and, and the Beatitudes, they're more positive. The Sermon on the Mount says, walk inside. I prefer don't run, okay? But some of y'all are more of a walk. Jesus says, you've heard it say, do not commit murder. But I say, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. You understand that the two are not in opposition to one another. The two complement one another. They're two ways of often saying exactly the same thing. Jesus emphasizes over and over and over again the loving aspect of the command. In the Old Testament, over and over and over again, we, we see the emphasis on the, uh, the, the abstention from doing things. In other words, the negative part of the command. When I, when I say a negative command, just understand, I don't mean it's a bad command. I mean it's in the negative sense. It's spoken of with a thou shalt not as opposed to thou shalt. You understand? In the King James, of course. 
We're going to focus this morning on the Ten Commandments, and we're going to see how these Ten Commandments are a great guide for how we should live as followers of Jesus. Now, the Ten Commandments are not all that you're going to read this week, okay? They're just a portion of what you're going to read this week. But in these commandments, and, and by the way, I should have clarified, I get confused sometimes because I'm about a week ahead in reading of where y'all are. So when I said, if you've been overwhelmed in the details, what I should have said is you're going to. You haven't been there yet. Y'all have just made it through the Exodus. It's been pretty exciting for y'all up to this point. God has done some absolutely incredible things, okay? You're fixing to go to Mount Sinai. You're going to see God speak. The, the mountain is going to tremble. There's going to be bolts of lightning and peals or, and, and, and thunder. There's, there's going to be smoke and fog and fear. You're going to see Israel watch God speak from on high, and then you're going to see God's followers quickly forget who God is and commit treacherous acts of idolatry but this morning we're going to focus on the ten commandments and we're going to consider from these commandments how should god's people live and we're going to take just three big concepts from these commandments to learn these things the first thing that we find in the ten commandments and and, and really in god's law is that we need to know whose we are whose we are the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, as it is known in the Hebrew, uh, is it begins not with, do not do these things. Instead, it begins with this, I am the Lord your God. The Ten Commandments and really all of God's law is rooted first and foremost in the identity and the character of our Heavenly Father. We need to know whose we are. Folks, we should be listening to what the commandments teach us because we know who gave them and we know to whom we belong. These come from the Lord. These are from our God, our creator, our sustainer, the great I am, the alpha and the omega. These are given specifically to God's people. When it comes to Old Testament law, Christians are sometimes confused Jesus came to fulfill the law, so what is our relationship to the law? Romans 8, 2, for instance, says, For the law of the Spirit uh, of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. If we've been set free from the law, why do we even care about the law? But the answer really lies in the reality that as Christ's followers, we belong to him. The law doesn't have control over us. But God has control over us. We need to know the law and honor the law not to earn God's favor, but to honor Him with our lives. You understand that when we seek to live according to God's standards in our life, it's not because we're saying, God, look at me and please love me. It's because it said we're going to dress the way that our Father does. Right? One of the most terrifying things for my children is for them to realize that they are like me. And they are, and I love it most of the time. I wish they were my negative traits that I could just... Wouldn't it be awesome if we as parents could be like, all right, these are the traits I want to pass on to my children, and these are the ones I don't want to pass on to my children. Unfortunately, it's not. Some of y'all have grown children, and you're sitting there going, yeah, I created one just like me, and if I could have you know, knocked it out of them, I would have. But I, I do love it when occasionally my kids do something like me, um, or, or, or they... they I look around and they, they're dressed like me. I'm like, that's right. You can talk all the trash you want about your old man, but you look like me and I like it. The Bible talks a lot about us clothing ourselves in holiness and righteousness. 
When it comes to honoring God's commands and honoring God's word and honoring God's word, especially the Ten Commandments, this is like us dressing like our Heavenly Father. We're putting on the same clothes that He wears. Clothes of holiness and righteousness, of joy and peace. We need to know the law and honor the law, not because we're earning God's love, but because we seek to look like Him, to be like Him, to act like Him. We live by these Ten Commandments because we belong to God. Folks, it's important for us to know whose we are. We need to know our address. Where is it that we reside? Where do we belong? Honor God with your life because you belong to Him. And that's a privilege and a joy and a really good thing. Know whose you are. The second thing this morning, you need to know who you are. Now, in the office this week, we had a, uh, not a lot, but a little bit of conversation about how much distinction is there in this. Well, the reality is that there is a distinction, but who I am really is dependent upon whose I am. This isn't always easy to differentiate, but it's important that we not only know whose we are, but who we are. So God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So who are we? We are a people who have been set free. We are a people who have been delivered. We belong to Christ, and in Christ, our identity has been changed. We've been changed from sinner to saint. That's who I am. Now, we're not going to jump on board with lots of uh, pop psychology positivity speak, right? But the truth of the matter is there are a lot of Christians who need to look in the mirror and be reminded who they are. It isn't only that we should honor God by living according to His Word. As a Christian, it's important to realize that I am not who I was. My past no longer has control over me. It no longer has a say in who I am. It doesn't matter who you were. Do you understand that? This is an incredible joy and privilege. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter to whom you were born. You've been reborn. And your father is the king the king of the universe you're a child of the king you've been transferred from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son you are loved you are forgiven you are free sin is no longer your master Make sure you know who you are. Just to be honest, we have too many Christians living with some sort of spiritual amnesia. You don't remember whose you are, and you don't remember who you are. Remember who your father is, and when you have remembered who your father is, Consider what and who that makes you. Listen, 
Christian, I need you to listen. I need you to hear me. Your past doesn't have to define you. You are defined by your future in Christ. You're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Again, we're not going to jump too much into lots of sort of popular level positive psychology speech, but it is worth remembering who you are. <clears throat> I, of course, we live in a, in a world right now that is dominated by only one disease. There's only one disease that's getting all the attention, and for good reason, I understand that, but In, in, in a world full of chronic illness and disease, few are as absolutely brutal as, as Alzheimer's. And, and, and that, that Alzheimer's dementia that can sometimes render the brain so diseased that a person can forget who they are. And what a shame it is when that happens, right? And, and, and what a joy it is when that person can be reminded who they are. Folks, what a shame it is for Christians who have forgotten who they are. You're a child of the King. You belong to Jesus. Some of you live haunted by your past. If you're at home watching this today, you may be living haunted by your past. If you're in the sanctuary with us today, you might be haunted by the past. <coughs> Out here in the parking lot, are you haunted by your past? Jesus died to give you a hope and a future. To take away the sin of your past. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. That's how the Ten Commandments begin. He doesn't begin with, do these things and I will love you. He says, I am the Lord your God who has delivered you. Why did he give you these commandments? Not to weigh you down with a burden. This is family rules. Any of y'all have those like hanging on in your house? We used to have some. We just bought them at like probably Hobby Lobby or something. But then when, after a while, we started looking at some of them and we didn't like them, so we threw it away, you know. But the one that was the best, it's like in this family, you know, family rules, no whining. That's my favorite one. Like, shh, shh, hush. We don't, but some of y'all have something like that, right? These are our family rules. Rule number one, rule number two. The Ten Commandments are the family rules. They didn't matter until you made it into the house, you understand? They didn't matter until you made it into the family. God says, now that you're a part of the family, this is what you do. He doesn't say, do this and I'll love you. He said, I love you. I have delivered you now. This is how we live. This is like God saying, this is where the thermostat's set. Leave it alone. This is how we treat one another. And this is how you will treat me because I love you. I saved you. Remember whose you are and remember who you are. You're a child of the king, and these commandments weren't given to you so that God would love you. These commandments were given to you because God loves you. And those are two very different concepts. So know who you are, or excuse me, know whose you are, know who you are, 
And third, this morning, live authentically. I know I lost all of my alliteration there, but I couldn't come up with a better way to say it. Once you know whose you are and who you are, live like it. Live like it. Since you're a child of the king, you need to live like it. There are lots of Christians who are living with, with this, this amnesia. You forget whose you are and who you are, and you forget what your inheritance is. And rather than living as a child of the king, you live as a child of sin. Somebody walked into my office this morning. My office underwent an incredible transformation this week because we had some HVAC work done around here and my window unit left. I have had a window unit in my office for 13 and a half years, but to, uh, this week we moved into the 21st century and it has been wonderful. And they walked in, they said, man, this looks like a, what changed? I said, well, we got rid of the ugly window unit because you got a view. That's right. I got a room with a view of a metal building. It's beautiful. That same person, he said, we really need to do something in this office. You need some lamps in here. You need to dress it up. We really need some orange in this office to really give it some character. I said, brother, we are not putting any orange in this office. I need to live authentic to who I am. And orange in this office is not authentic to who I am. You understand? Folks, some of you are living lives that are not authentic to who you actually are. Paul said in Romans 8, 37, 38, and 39, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does all this have to do with the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments give us a pretty good idea of how we should live authentically. They help us to see how we can live lives that align with our identity and our spiritual family resemblance. The Ten Commandments, Jesus said that the law and the prophets were summed up in just two commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Well, the reason that it sums it all up is because the Ten Commandments are a summation of all the law that God's going to give to the children of Israel later, and Jesus takes all ten of those and sums those up with just two. Because the Ten Commandments basically break up into four vertical commandments and six, six, six horizontal commandments. That's what we get. The first four have to do with our relationship with the Lord. And when we think about living an authentically Christian life, we live lives that align with these things. You shall have no other gods before me. God says, first and foremost, I am the Lord your God, period. There is no other, and you shall have no other. I alone am a jealous God. That's what it means to live authentically. First, you shall have no other gods. We worship him and him alone. Secondly, you shall not make idols of anything. We shall not make idols of another God. We shall not even make idols of him. And certain to goodness, we shouldn't make idols of anything else. Not of our money, not of our possessions, not of our property. Folks, we can turn about anything into an idol. When a good thing becomes a God thing, it's become a wrong thing. You understand? We have to be careful of that. Third, we shall not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. What does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Everybody goes, well, you shouldn't say that one big word. Taking the Lord's name in vain is using the Lord's name carelessly. It's important for us to think about the ridiculous nature for us to use God's name as, as some sort of a, a, a four-letter word. 
You know, anytime I ever smash my thumb with a hammer, I've never been tempted to go, oh, Craig, oh, John. And yet, for some, why? Because it doesn't make any sense. Except in this, I'm blaming whoever I say in that moment, right? And yet, somehow we throw the Lord's name out there. I hit my finger with a hammer and go, oh, God. Folks, that is taking the Lord's name in vain. And that is telling everybody around us who hears that I don't revere the name of the Lord. Is this why we don't do that? Because we don't use God's name carelessly. We honor it. We revere it. We set it aside for special purposes. Number four, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. One of my kids asked a while back, why, why don't we worship on Sundays, or on Saturdays? This Saturday was the Sabbath. Well, <clears throat> the reality is once we make it in the New Testament, uh, the New Testament believers worshiped on Sundays uh, to honor the resurrection of Jesus. But the idea of remembering the Sabbath still matters. There should be a day set aside in our lives and time set aside in our life for regular Sabbath. Jesus said the Sabbath was for man and not for God. Remember that? And, and the Bible says that the Sabbath is for worship and for rest. There's got to be times when we set aside the work that we're doing and we devote our attention instead to the Lord. I know. Trust me, I get it. If you'll work on Sundays, you can make a little bit more money. Yes. But when we walk away from our work, we say, Lord God, I know there's potentially more out there that I could earn or more things that I could do, but God, I'm going to trust that, Lord God, though, I'm going to embrace rest. I'm going to trust that you're going to keep the world turning while I am focused on rest and worship. So just keep in mind that Sabbath is not only about like a day of the week. Sabbath is about owning and honoring the responsibility that we have to rest. When I lay my head down at night and I go to bed, folks, I pray. I should pray, right? What? Lord God, I'm going to trust that while I'm asleep that the world's going to be just fine without Craig Thompson because, Lord God, I need this rest more than the world needs me. And I trust you. Those are the four vertical commandments. You understand that setting aside time to come to church for instance, on Sundays. Makes no sense to those people that don't belong to Jesus because you could be at the lake right now or in the mountains. And for goodness sakes, if you're setting aside time to come to the church and then you're setting aside uh, 10% of your income to give to support the local church, you make absolutely no sense to the world around you because you could be spending that not only at the lake but on a boat to spend at the lake. But instead, you trust that God's ways are better and there's more to be given to the world by investing in eternal purposes. So what does it look like for us to live Christianly, to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength? And that's those first four commandments. And then how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? It begins by honoring our father and mother. And folks, as you age, that looks differently. And for some of you, this is a real challenge. I'll be honest with you, of all the Ten Commandments, in all my time in ministry, there's not one that has given people trouble as much as this one because I've had folks come to me and say, Craig, you don't know my parents. You don't know how hard this is. My father hurt me. My mother disowned me. How do I honor them? Folks, I just want you to know that for those of you that have been in that spot, this is a hard thing. Honoring your parents 
who refuse to honor you doesn't mean groveling at their feet. It just means showing difference, praying for them, caring for them in the ways that you're able to. You shall not murder. Seems like a pretty good way to love your neighbor, right? You shall not commit adultery. Y'all, we live in a culture that embraces adultery. Few things speak to the value that we place on our commitment to Christ than our commitment to our spouse. Now, Jesus, remember, takes this commandment. So you've heard it say not to commit adultery, but I say if you look upon a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. We are to be the kind of people who have eyes for one person. Young people, this, this word against adultery is, is a reminder for you to work diligently to maintain purity in your own life. To honor your future spouse and to honor the Lord. You shall not steal. Can I just say and, and remind you that as followers of Jesus, not stealing doesn't just mean that you don't take a pack of gum at the, at, the, uh, at the gas station. It means that we don't cheat on our taxes. You know, we don't lie on government forms. We pay our taxes. We pay what we owe. We don't steal, and we don't steal from the Lord. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do not lie, right? Another way that we love our neighbors is by telling the truth, always. And then finally, you shall not covet. What does not coveting mean? Keep in mind that covetousness is not, hey, I like your shoes. Covetousness is, I like your shoes, but I don't like the fact that you have them. I want them on my feet, and I don't want you to have them. That's what coveting is. Coveting says, I don't want you to have it if I can't have it. Folks, coveting is jealousy and, 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 and strife. Folks, we've got to be the kind of people that look at our neighbor and celebrate what blessings our neighbors have or have received. We look to our neighbor and we celebrate what God's doing in their life. What's it look like as brothers and sisters in Christ when we arm each other up and we say, I am so excited for what God is doing in your life. And that we actually mean it. That we love them enough to not be jealous of what they're experiencing. We love them enough to celebrate with them and to pray to the Lord on their behalf. What's it look like to live a Christian life? What does the Christian life look like? Folks, we sum it up here at Malvern Hill by saying we love God, love others, and try to change the world. Those are our goals. And those are our goals because those were Jesus' two commandments and his great commission. Those are our goals because those commandments align themselves perfectly with God's Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments give us a pretty good idea of how we should live authentically. They help us to see how we can have lives that align our identity and our spiritual family resemblance. So I ask you this morning, in conclusion, this feels like a quick sermon, I don't know if it is, but in conclusion, I ask you this this morning. Do you want to be depressed, anxious, angry? When you try to be a Christian and live like a non-Christian, you will soon discover that if you belong to Jesus, you cannot find joy in a life that looks like the world. Let me try and say that again so I can make sure it makes sense. If you are a follower of Jesus and you try to live like a child of the world, 
you will soon discover that you cannot be joyful, that you cannot be happy and fulfilled because you're living a life that doesn't align with your authentic person. The flip side of that is this, and it's really the scary part, scarier. If you find it easy to live like the world, if you find it easy to ignore God's teachings, if you can look at God's commandments, these Ten Commandments, and you can just easily ignore or, or, or misrepresent or disobey all of them without guilt, without conviction, then it's possible that you don't belong to Jesus at all. You see, the Ten Commandments weren't given as a way for anyone to earn their way into God's family. They were given to God's family as a list of family rules to remind them what it looked like to live as God's people. So how should God's people live? How should you live? You should live satisfied in Christ, secure in Christ, and rejoicing in whose you are. I'm going to connect some dots even though you've probably done all the dot connecting in your brain this morning. But if you're living a life that doesn't line up with God's expectations as outlined in these Ten Commandments, and you're finding satisfaction and joy in that life, then there's the very real possibility that you don't belong to Jesus Christ. There's the very real possibility, as I talk about whose you are and who you are, that you actually are a child of the devil and that you belong to the world and your sin owns you. But today can be the day that you're set free. Today can be the day that you come and you find Christ, that you can hear the words in a different way. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. Today can be the day he delivers you from the domain of darkness and transfer you to the kingdom of his beloved son. If you're here today and you've never made a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you, whether you're indoors or outside, come forward. We'd love to pray with you to walk you through that story of salvation so that you'll know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. If you're at home, just be reminded, you don't need me to do that. If you pray to God today, he will hear your prayers and he'll save you. But I also want to speak today to the Christian who has thumbed her nose at God's commandments. To the follower of Jesus who isn't living according to God's words. You've bought the world's lies. And, and, and you've begun to believe that God's, God's command, a literal reading of God's word is just onerous. It's just too much. And that God really just meant for us to sort of glance past all that and, and just to be happy. And yet you wake up and you look in the mirror every morning and you go, I'm trying to be happy, but I'm just miserable. You may very well be miserable today because you've forgotten who you are and who you are and you're living a very inauthentic life. That you're a part of God's families, family. But you're living according to the world's rules. And you find yourself depressed and anxious and angry and tired and sad. Can I tell you that who you've been doesn't have to define who you are because Jesus died to give you hope and a future. That he will forgive you today. If you're here
here today and you'd like for me or one of our other pastors to pray with you just a moment we're going to stand and we're going to sing I'll be down here somebody be inside we'd love to have that opportunity however it is that we may care for you serve you minister you today we want to do that but as we sing I want you to be reminded that he is the Lord our God who delivered us out of a land of slavery he has set our feet on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ and in him we find our hope our joy and our being let's pray together father god i thank you for loving us and for saving us lord god i thank you lord god that we can sing it is well with my soul for lord god in the midst of uncertain days there is peace that surrounds us the peace that is found only in jesus christ our savior in whose name we pray amen would you stand with us this morning as we sing